0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to White Coat Club. Um, today, we're going to talk quite a bit about research for both BSMD and medical school students. And so today, we're joined by Darlene and Grant. So I'll let them introduce themselves and talk a little bit about their research background before we
1: get into um, some of the material. So Darlene,
0: do you want to tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently a fourth-year medical student. I did a lot of research when I was in my undergrad at UCSD. Um, I first started out in a lab um, studying circadian rhythms and I was just making media for the project scientists so nothing super fancy <laughs> um, and that was pretty much my first step into any science-based research and after a couple months I asked if I could Participate in some research, and that's where I learned a lot of uh, different techniques like PCR, Western blotting, which is like the bane of my existence. (laughs) But I started working at the Scripps Research Institute, where I studied wound healing in mice models. And this was probably, I think they're all, I always say, like every internship is my favorite. (laughs) This is probably one of the coolest things that I had ever done. Um, I was very scared of mice models, and I think I still am, and luckily I didn't have to uh, sacrifice them myself, but um, what I would do is I would take the skin off of the mice models and then um, use immunofluoroscopy and look at the way that things were healing and see if I could find a specific marker or pathway that affected the wound healing. You know, I won't bore you with all the other research <laughs> things that I've done, but um, you know, I just love research. And even though I tell myself that I'm always doing too much all the time, <laughs> um, I feel like it is such an interesting way for me to learn things that I would never learn in a classroom.
0: All right, perfect. Now, what about you, Grant?
2: Yeah, uh, my name's Grant Clunis. I'm actually. Also, a fourth year medical student um, in currently in New Mexico. Um, I'm hoping to go into uh, diagnostic radiology. Um, and so I actually find out here uh, shortly if if uh, I've matched into a program for that. so I'm really excited about that. Um, as far as my my background in research i I have a little bit more of a non-traditional route into medical school into into medicine and and just the sciences in general. Um, I grew up in a very blue collar town, blue collar family. I've got you know I've got a brother who's a, a welder and a brother who's a diesel mechanic. So it's kind of you know a, a good a good way to to look into you know my my background is just comparing myself to my brothers. But um, I actually went to undergrad at Weaver State University and they uh, where I where I majored in, in zoology, believe it or not. So they actually didn't have a biology proper degree. Um, so my first experience in research was actually just doing field research, doing some uh, ecological studies involving some some birds, uh, particular bird species in, in Northern Utah. And we worked uh, really closely with the Division of Wildlife Resources in Utah to kind of come up with a plan in order to um, help them best uh, manage some of the some some ponds that these birds were found in. Yeah.
0: Just hearing you guys' two stories and like past the medicine and research experiences kind of shows too that there's not one type of experience that's correct and that you have to have in order to get into medical school, which I feel like a lot of parents and students get kind of caught up in. So it's refreshing to hear that there are a lot of different options. And we're gonna talk a lot about those options today too. Um, But the first kind of question that I have is, there is such a big emphasis on research for both BSMD and for medical school. Um, So let's start with you first, Darlene. Um, for, For BSMD programs, why
1: should students be doing research? And then I'll grant answer about medical schools. So for BSMDs, everyone asks me this question, like how much research do I need to do? And I think oftentimes people find the importance in stacking their resume with as much research as possible. But I actually don't feel like it's actually as important as people attribute it to be. And I think like what Grant said earlier, it's about your passion, right? So if you know if doing research is truly your passion, then that's when I encourage people to pursue it. Um, if it's more of a checklist thing i feel like you just won't be as successful like even if you went to harvard and did research right i just feel like if you can't talk about it that passionately it definitely comes across and i see that a lot of the times when people you know have done a million different things And, you know, I did research at Harvard and then I did another research at Yale. Right. And why do these people not get any interviews? It's because they're not passionate about it. They're doing it just as more of a checkbox. And so people will like ask me, well, you know, you did a lot of research, too. Right. And I was like, but the way I talk about it is completely different. Right. So I did things because I wanted to learn more and I never quite felt satisfied by only doing what I was doing at the moment, right? And so it was more of like that curiosity that really drove me to do all of those things. And I get asked a lot, you know, because I was working probably 40 hours a week on top of like a full-time schedule, like how do you balance all of that, especially in undergrad? And for me, it was really, it really boiled down to that passion, right? If I didn't love it, there was no way I could have done all of that. And so usually with research for BSMDs, I'm like, it really depends on what you love, right? If you actually love volunteering, I think you would have way more fun and could write way better stories, right? But if you're actually passionate about research, you will find a way to do research. And I actually have a student who did research in her basement, Right. And she found really cool things. Like she found a biomarker for Alzheimer's. Um, she, you know, worked on a, like a sleep apnea device. So she found that a lot of like, uh, CPAPs are very big and bulky and people don't want to use them. And so she actually designed one that was actually smaller. And when I asked her, I was like, where did you do all this research? Like what institute did you work at? She's like, I did it in my basement. Right. So If you are passionate about something, you will find a way to do it. Definitely. Yeah, I think especially for BSMD programs,
0: research is definitely less of a focus and we've interviewed and talked to, I think it was VCU that that kind of explicitly said, we don't really care so much about research, it's more about those volunteering, the clinical experiences that we're valuing. And so there are some programs that definitely do want to see kids with research, like RPIs always comes to mind because their program is literally called Physician Scientist Program. Like you can kind of guess, they're looking for kids with research, but a lot of those programs don't necessarily care about about what's on your research resume. They care more about the passion and the interest. Okay, what about you, Grant? Do you think there's any difference in Darlene's answer for medical school, or kind of the same things apply?
2: You know, I think there's a few nuances, but I think relatively, you know, the answers are similar. Um, you know, when you apply to a a residency program out of medical school you could have five, you know, 15, 20 research projects on your application. But if you're not actually passionate about those things, if you can't talk about them in a residency interview, it doesn't matter. And people can see through, uh, through answers and through, you know, people not being genuine about what they've been spending their times on. And, and you know, it's also, you know, really important to remember, like, there are other things you can put your time into and your energy into. And uh, there's, you know, as long as those things align with the ultimate goal and that you're passionate about it, um, I think you you can spend your time doing a lot of things. And if research is one of those things that you're passionate about, I definitely think it it's a good thing to be involved in. Um, so like, for instance, if you, if you want to do orthopedic surgery, there's plenty of ways to get involved. You could either do research that has to do with orthopedic surgery, or you could do some kind of volunteering at like a sports medic medicine clinic or um, with maybe like a, a local team. You know, there, there's all sorts of ways to to be involved as long as those, the the why is, is genuine. Um, but then again, you do have to remember, there are certain, you know, there are certain boxes you do need to check in medical school um and even if you're not passionate about it you almost I don't want to say you have to pretend to be passionate about it but there are a few boxes you have to check for certain specialties that's just how it is and that's probably how it always always will be um and so I I think it's important to at least you know do a broad range of things uh throughout medical school and if if research is something you really like you could really focus in on that but Ultimately, it's up to the individual, the specialty they apply to, and you know the their ultimate goals. Like if you want if you want to go to residency in a really big academic institution, then it might be beneficial for you to have a lot of research because that's going to be what they're looking for. If you're fine with going to more of a community program at a community hospital, um, they they probably won't have as high of a um, bar set for research so it is a you know there's a lot of different nuances to the to the conversation of research in medical school but overall I think it's a good thing to at least um, if you're not passionate about it try it out see if you like it if it's something you really you really like and you're passionate about then then yeah it's it's a great thing to be involved in.
0: And can you all talk about a little bit about the different types of
1: research internships? Yeah, so there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of different types of research internships. There's, um, you know, university based research institutions. Um, There are private institutions, right? There's biotech companies. Um, you can even develop your own uh, project. Uh, you could even do like hospital based medicine and do research there. And I think it's a little bit about what you're looking for, right? So at a university, we typically think about more like wet labs, meaning like you're sitting at a bench, you're doing your experiments, you're running, you know, the PCR machine. <laughs> and um, I feel like that's kind of, where a lot of people lead to, and then there's your private organizations, right? So for example, I worked at Scripps, which is private. And honestly, it was really nice because I felt like there were a lot more perks, Um, but you kind of, I guess, do the same thing, Um, but instead of working for the university, you're just working more for a private institution and I felt like the vibe was like a little bit different as well. Um, I don't quite know how to explain that, except um, I felt like it was a bit more hands-on for me. And I guess it really just depends on where you go, but I felt like the private ones actually had a lot more resources versus the university base. But I think that's more of a uh, like a personal experience. (laughs) Um, For biotechs, you know, these are pretty much the cash cows of science. (laughs) So if you think of like, you know, Illumina, uh, Genentech, um, a lot of these are really major companies that everyone tries to go into because one, these internships actually pay very well and you build a lot of connections with people in the industry. And so, you know, if you're not going into medicine, Biotech is actually a great option because you're able to contribute to a lot of newer technologies and do a lot of projects to pretty much help society, right? But in a different way. And a lot of it is about innovation and that's kind of the premise of biotech. So they have a lot of private funding um, and you would probably never see these type of projects in a university or a private research institution. Um, The technology in biotechs is way, way different. Um, And then lastly, for the more like hospital-based or clinical projects, these are more like things that Grant and I described um, where you see a patient and, you know, they have a really cool case. Like one of my friends just texted me the other day and he said he's writing up a case about the purple urine syndrome. And I was like, what is that? And I guess there was only one other case um, published in the New England Journal of Medicine that this actually happened. And I don't actually remember what causes purple (laughs) urine syndrome, but um, you basically see purple urine in their bag. So I just thought it was so cool. And, you know, it's about contributing Really unique cases that we don't really see every day or are not commonly known about, or you can bring up a specific issue, right? So, um, these disease presentations you want to be able to share with a lot of different people in medicine to show, like, you know, how you managed it and, you know, what was the presentation like so that we don't miss it. So, in medical school, I feel like you. Can only learn so much right and a lot of your experiences actually come from your clinical training so when you are able to read up on these different you know rare disease presentations kind of like the one that grant talked about it helps you recognize things a lot faster and you have a better background in knowing what you should do if you ever come across something like that okay and now, both of you guys had a lot of research experiences, like a lot of
0: different things that you've done, but we always hear that research is so hard to find. Um, why is that, and how did you guys kind of you know beat the system?
2: At least from my point of view, I think me and Darlene would would have maybe uh, a little bit different points of view here just because she she did go to UCSD and that's big a big um, research institution, whereas I was at. Weaver State University in you know northern Utah it's very it was very almost not community college but close. Um, so there there was just less research, less funding, um, less projects going on. and when it comes down to it, there's a lot of students and and most most students know that it's you know pretty competitive to get into medical school, dental school uh, physical therapy school and everyone's trying to um kind of get involved and there's only so many projects to go around and uh ultimately i think it's kind of a who you know um as far as my my uh, experience with that so uh it, not only is it kind of a who you know game it is a you also have to have someone. Um, Who's qualified to to kind of lead your your research project? So, for instance, the uh, the project I worked on in the hospital with the with the the patient who had lymphoma, I would I would have never been able to had access to to these uh, you know the to the chart to their medical information to these uh, image like the medical imaging that we used in the in this case report. I would have never had access to that without being involved directly with the radiologist who was who was uh, involved in in reading um, their their imaging and and you know so on and so forth. so I think there's a lot of hoops that you have to kind of maneuver through and um, ultimately you have to put yourself out there a lot of times and and be bold to ask to be involved and and then not only that, but you have to be dedicated to, to follow up with things that you ask for. And, and you have to show people that you're willing to put in hard work and, and uh, you know, really carry your weight in a lot of these projects. So ultimately, it's just it, there's a lot of different moving parts that kind of have to fit uh, nicely together. There's some, there's some other parts to it, but which I'm sure Darlene has some different you know, points of view. But yeah, that, that, was, my, that was my experience.
1: I totally agree with the, it's about like who you know. So um, even though I went to UCSD, I didn't really know anyone. So <laughs> no one, no one of my family is in medicine and uh, none of my older family members are um, in science. So uh, it was pretty difficult starting in the beginning. Um, I think I sent out like, it's got to be at least like thirty or fifty applications. <laughs> it was a lot, and you know, it was a lot of not even rejections, right? A lot of people just like won't respond, and understandably because they're getting tons of emails like every day. Um, and you know, once once I finally put myself out there, I finally got you know one hit, and then I ended up working there. And, you know, when I started working there, it was just really interesting to find because I was basically just making media in the lab. And you wouldn't think it was that competitive because you're not actually doing real research, right? You're more like research adjacent. (laughs) And, you know, I was told that I beat out like 110 candidates. And I was like, really? Like, I was just like so shocked because I knew it was competitive, but actually putting a number to it, like I I was the 1%, right? To make media for scientists. And it's kind of crazy to think about because how competitive is research then, right? If you just want to directly be in the project. And, you know, I really found that it was just about working my way up And it was really interesting because when I went to Scripps um, I, again, I just put myself out there, (laughs) not really expecting that much. And Scripps is the top seven research institution in the world, right? And So I was like, okay, well, it's kind of like applying to Harvard, like the Harvard of research and I just don't really expect to get in. Um, But on my resume, one of my references was actually a fraternity brother of someone who was in the lab that I was applying for. And I had no idea when I applied to this but it really goes to show like the world is like super small, right? Like I was not from San Diego. And you know, they went to college at UC Berkeley, and it was just kind of crazy like how all of that connected. So you know, once um, my eventual supervisor saw my application, um, they actually called and they were like, "Oh my God, your student literally <laughs> is applying." So that was kind of interesting how that turned out. And again, like in my radiology internship,, um, they knew I wanted to do dermatology, not radiology. And so they actually connected me with a dermatologist. And that's how we, that's how I ended up doing like the collaborative project. So we did a lot of projects for uh, big companies like Gilead. um, But, you know, we also did smaller projects for doctors who just wanted to investigate something. And so they you know, we're like, it's your lucky day. We found a dermatologist who wants to do a radiology project. And I was like, that never happened. (laughs) But, you know, connections really do go that far. And it ended up that that dermatologist was the younger, like one class um, below my mentor now. And so without that connection, like I never would have gotten the job and met my mentor and you know, now it's been like seven years and, you know, I'm still really close with my mentor. So it was just kind of so like an interesting journey. And, you know, throughout the process, you really have to figure out who your mentors are early on and network with people. And one of the mistakes I always find that people make is they get really discouraged up front and, you know, they apply to one thing and they're like, well, I never heard back. And I was like, right, but that's not the right way to approach it. You have to, you know, send out 50. And if you get one, you're lucky, right? But guess what? That one is going to open so many more doors for you.
0: Yeah. i kind of highlighting what you said that the first thing you did was like research adjacent and that you would apply to 50 things to get that research adjacent position. I think a lot of times kids, either they're in high school or or even, you know, in college, they think that they're going to walk into a lab and get all these like awesome responsibilities and be doing real things. That's, that's not how it works, unfortunately. And so it's okay to start at the bottom and then you'll work your way up. And I think people forget that.
1: One of the most interesting things that I used to hear too, like in college is people would say, oh, they only pay you $10. Like that's so beneath me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, really? Like we, if you don't, I mean, for me, like it was not about the money and like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was like very poor (laughs) in college as most people are. Um, but it wasn't ever about the money, right? The money was more of a bonus. I was like, you can't put a price on the experience. And I totally understand like paying people what they're worth, but, you know, biofuels was not truly my passion, but I knew it could get me somewhere. And it turns out my boss was um, a student at the Rady School of Management. So he was in business school. And I learned a lot about resume writing, interviewing, and a lot of those techniques is what actually got me into, you know, these way better places, right? And so, I feel like a lot of the times people kind of discount how good an experience can be, but I really think it's about what you make it. So next, let's talk a little bit about research
0: internships.
1: Um, Is it worth the investment? So, I mean, research internships, especially at the BSMD level, and there's a lot of them, they're really expensive, right? We've seen probably like three thousand dollars as like a starting cost and then I mean I can't remember which program this is but there's one that costs like ten thousand dollars and it's like a two-week program and I was like I mean like if I'm paying ten thousand dollars I expect to cure cancer like in those <laughs> terms, you know, like that's a lot of money for like an upfront investment um personally I feel like it really depends um there's different types of internships right there's one where you kind of just like sit and learn like in a lecture which i feel like it's not as worth it Um, but there's some where you actually get really good hands-on experience and if it's hands-on then i would say it's probably more worth your investment yeah
0: anything you want to add to
2: that grant yeah i uh i agree with that i also you know i think it depends on the individual and their ultimate goals. I think for some people it definitely makes a lot of sense and um, and it kind of depends on again if you have any connections outside of these re- research and internships then maybe you should take advantage of those beforehand um, just because it might be a little bit cheaper but ultimately if if you're having a hard time finding um, any opportunity to, to do research, then these, these are a great opportunity for people who maybe don't have any, uh, you know, other access to, to do research, or maybe they don't have any, anyone that they know, um, any connections. So I think for, for some people, it's a great, a great opportunity just because, you know, we're, and, you know, a lot of us don't have, um, the know-how or, you know, like Darlene talked about the. uh, the person with the basement, you know, maybe, maybe we're not all as ambitious as that. And, and these, uh, a lot of the research internships can really just, you know, provide a good base for someone who's starting out in research. And, um, yeah, so I think it just depends on, on who the person is and what their goal is and, and kind of what they have available to them. But I think for a lot of people that, that would be, especially high schoolers, you know, they don't have a lot of, um, you know they don't have a lot of exposure to uh, professors at big universities and things so um, yeah I think for them it would be a good opportunity especially if they if they don't have any other opportunities otherwise so
0: yeah and I always like tell parents whenever we're talking especially to bsmd students where they're like well can't we email professors at like local universities to find a position and get it for free and maybe you can, and maybe it will be a good experience. But you're also like an untrained 16 year old that's going to come into the lab and kind of be expecting to be able to do things. And so that's what I always try and remind them. It's like it's a lot of work and a lot to ask someone to train your child for free for weeks, months on end. I know I've like managed interns before, and they were in college, and it was obviously in a lab, and it was a lot less low, you know, stress. But it's a lot of work manage someone who doesn't know what they're doing you have to really be dedicated to teaching them and to be checking their work and fixing their work when they mess up and be willing to put in that time and that's just a lot to ask some random stranger on the internet to do for free and think about all the other people who are also asking that same thing so I mean I have had kids who've had good experiences like kind of doing that method in high school but other ones where you definitely do get forgotten about or you know they say yes but then realize Oh, man this is a lot of work and then it doesn't really end up going anywhere so that's why sometimes research experiences even the paid programs can be i guess depending on the price and you know what you're actually getting out of it but can be such a good opportunity because you know someone is going to be there for one week seven weeks however long the program is and that they're going to be there every day with you you know helping and teaching you and guiding you through that process so I mean, in my opinion, that can be one of the biggest benefits of having those research internships, even though they're paid. And so I know a lot of times too, the parents are like, oh, pay to play is automatically looked down upon for, for kind of research and opportunities and things like that. Um, and going back to exactly what Darlene said before, there's a difference between kind of a competitive price and kind of like too too expensive, like the 10,000 for two weeks, in my opinion is, is kind of ridiculous. And unattainable for the majority of, you know, kids applying for these programs, but if it is something where you actually are, you know, investing a good amount of time and effort into the student, it makes sense that you're going to have to pay for their time too. So, in my opinion, sometimes pay to play isn't isn't always bad. Now, kind of speaking of internships, how many internships do you recommend that people do?
1: Hmm. Honestly, I think at both levels, like BSMD and pre-meds, I would probably say like two is a good number. Um, Obviously I did a lot more, but like, I mean, even when I wrote about it in my application, like I think two of them were more like passion projects. Like I mean, the radiology one is a real internship with real research, but for some reason I consider that more of like a passion project and the same thing with the biotech. So, you know, if I think about it that way, then I really realistically did too, right? But um, I think it's more about like longevity, right? Like some people only have one internship, but it's something that they've done for three years and it shows that you are committed right so even though I was kind of like all over the place um you know I was in my internship for about three years uh the scripts one was about two years and then the ones I started later which I called my passion projects I was in there for about seven months each so I think ultimately it painted a really nice picture in the end showing that I was very dedicated to my work um it wasn't so much that you know I was kind of bouncing around like every six months.
2: yeah, i I agree. Um, I think two is a a great number, honestly. Um, kind of shows you know you're you're a little bit more dedicated than just doing like a a single uh, research internship. but um, also, you know it it does again, like i I like to harp on this. that it depends on the individual because it you know, one would be great for someone who isn't super passionate about research and and if they want to fill their time doing other things uh in the previous or in the you know preceding summers and and whatnot then uh then they should make better use of their time than just cramming in as much as much research as they possibly can um so yeah uh you d- you definitely do want to show that you can dedicate yourself and that you know, you can handle multiple things and and uh, maybe handle multiple things at one time as well. So uh, yeah, I think one to two would be my my opinion, but yeah, everyone, everyone's a little bit different.
0: Would your answer change for like osteopathic medical schools versus like allopathic? Like, does it matter? Does one type of medical school give more preference to
2: to research than the other, or is it just going to vary from school to school? I I think it varies. Um, so, but but I would give the 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 majority of uh, allopathic schools are going to have stronger research, just because most of them are uh, associated with uh, public institutions or state state funded institutions where they have more funding and um they're they're generally not smaller private schools like a lot of the osteopathic schools um so yeah i would say there might be more research being done but i I wouldn't say that i'm not sure if there would be a uh, preference if if someone's applying to um like as a do student or as an md student i don't know if there would be a preference i think it just depends on the, where they're applying and maybe the region of the country. Um, yeah.
1: So that's actually such an interesting question because so UCSD is, you know, a massive research area, not just an institution, but we have like three really big research institutions like around us as well that are private. And um, at... I don't remember if it was like a networking event or a conference, but I met someone who was um, a faculty member who also did admissions at UCSD. And I asked him, I was like, okay, so like what's the deal with research? Um, Obviously everywhere I look at UCSD, there's research. Is research required to get in? or do I only think this because I go to UCSD? And it was funny because I actually asked it that way. (laughs) And he was like, it's actually just the way you perceive it because you go to UCSD. And I thought that was an interesting answer. And he said, you would actually be surprised by how many people don't do research. And he said, only 25% of the students who apply to UCSD actually have done research and That number shocked me because UCSD is a top 20 school known for their research, right? And so, um, I mean, everything about UCSD is just so like research heavy. And so I was just like shocked. But, you know, um, one of our students, which we actually just did a video on, um, he does not have any like formal research. Um, experiences per se, um, no publications, but he still got an interview at UCSD, right? And so it kind of poses the question, like how important really is research? Like, are we putting too much of an emphasis because we think it's a checkbox or is it actually required? Yeah, it'd be interesting too, because they said what, 25% don't have research, but then it'd be interesting
0: to see what percentage of accepted students have have actual research. I'm sure we could find that online somewhere, but that would be interesting to kind of see what what their class ends up looking like too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So next let's talk a little bit about poster presentations and conferences. Um, Does this count as research? Um, What's your kind of take on that? For residency, it does.
1: I I think it does count as research. One of my mentors at Scripps, like pushed me to do a conference before I applied to medical school. So she's on she's like the dean, or she was um, the dean of graduate medical education at Scripps. And so she was also adjunct faculty at UCSD. And she said, you know, these honor thesis projects or presenting at conferences are things that they really look for because they want to see, like, not only can you do the research, but, and, you know, how do they know what you really did? (laughs) You know, you could have stood there for 10 hours a week and said, I was in the lab for 10 hours a week, right? Um, But with a poster, you have to be able to, you know, accurately and concisely convey the research to a population that maybe is not an expert in your project or field. And that's where these poster presentations or conferences um, really help you shine and show that you're, I guess it, it um, speaks to like how much you are interested in research because you you like it enough to go and talk about it to other people. And so I think in college, I think I presented like three or four times. And there was a major like West Coast conference that um, again, my mentor really pushed me to go present. And it was honestly such a good experience. Like I was very nervous and sweaty the first time. <laughs> I want to go present. Um, but it really helps with my presentation skills and learning how to convey such a complex topic in seven minutes. and you know people have to be able to understand it well. It was just such an interesting experience. That's what's so
0: important too. I think about research, and honestly, a lot of different activities on resumes is it's not so much that you've done these activities, but it's like what? you learned and like the skills that you are gonna be able to transfer later on as a doctor or as just like a human being. So obviously as a physician, you're gonna have to be able to explain intensely complicated medical conditions to people in a way that they can understand and in a short period of time too. So all these skills are gonna be hopefully transferable to your future as well. Anything you wanna add Grant about? I think you've done quite a few posters and conferences, right?
2: Um, yeah, I've done a handful of them. I, I think just to add on to that, um, I it's important to remember that these conferences are great places, especially for medical students to go and and network with other people and and network with with uh, with physicians, other medical students, uh, other people who might work closely with whatever field uh, the conference is about. So. Uh, that that was a big push. I'm I'm going to a conference, uh, like I mentioned, um, in April in Phoenix, and it's a it's a radiology conference. So I uh, I'll be presenting a poster there, and and you know hopefully by then, you know I'll I'll have matched into uh, my into radiology, and and then you know I can further um, network with some with some other. Students maybe who matched and and some radiologists and so it's just a good way to you know get out there and meet people and find other opportunities. You never know who who you'll meet or what uh, opportunity might be presented to you at one of these uh, conferences. So um, not only is it a good a, a good way to you know add something to your to your resume that that you're passionate about, but it's also a good way to further your, your networking. Definitely.
0: All right, so let's talk about the big elephant in the room, which I feel like every parent asks and every student asks, um, publishing, is it important or not?
1: So I have published a lot and I would say no. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many different differences in opinions and I know um a lot of parents are doctors and a lot of like people who students will ask are doctors and the big thing is like publishing but I mean do you do medical schools or bsmd programs expect you to publish when you're 16 absolutely not right um do medical schools expect you to publish I mean, I'm willing to bet like maybe only 2% of people have like actual publications. And I think it's more about showing your interest by doing the research so much more than actually publishing, right? What people don't even understand is one project can take about five years. That's more than your undergrad, right? So that's, you know that's almost more than half of some of these like bsmd programs like umkc is only 6 years so that means you would have to have started in your freshman year and then you publish right before you're a doctor like that's that's not a lot of time for you to you know go and do a lot of these experiments and then writing it up is like it's a whole different process too and so i think as long as you're active in research Publishing is kind of again like an added bonus, right? It's not a requirement by any means. If you have it, great. And you know, I always push people to publish if they're able to. But I don't really think it's it's going to guarantee you or you know make you better um, in any way. That's
0: what I tell my kids too. I
1: tell them. Like it's a long
0: effort to get published. And especially for BSMT, it is really hard because you don't know how long you're gonna be working on a project for. you could be doing something for years, like as a, you know, later on in life and never have something that's like publishable and that's okay. So in my opinion, research getting published is nice. It's a bonus, but it definitely isn't necessary. Okay. Now something that everyone else is wondering about what's the best way for people to get involved in research?
1: A big question. <laughs> um, I guess first, like narrow it down to what you like to do. Um, I don't know. I'm such a big believer in like, don't do things that you don't like. So <laughs> I never try to do projects that I'm like, you know, oh, that's kind of boring to me. (laughs) Um, Like, I think like weird rashes are like my big thing. So I love doing (laughs) more like dermatology based or like infectious disease based projects, like projects that people probably think are like kind of gross. Um, But again, if you do something or pursue something that you like, your project is going to be better because you're going to spend more time um, actively engaged in it. And then another big thing for me is finding mentors early on, such an important underutilized thing. And, you know, does everyone have time to be a mentor? Absolutely not. But, you know, a lot of doctors, at least this was my experience, I feel like a lot of doctors actually really enjoy mentorship. And they're very excited for people who want to go into the same field as them. And so, these people are great to pick their brains, see what the process is like, see if they have any cool projects that you can help on. And a lot of the times, like especially like residents, medical students, um, and then even like attendings, um, they always come across like really cool cases that they just don't have time to write up, right? And so most of the people that you ask, they're going to have a project just kind of sitting there and waiting to be finished. And if you're active about it and you show them that you're willing to work hard and that you're engaged and interested, you could very easily be part of that project. But you know, the first step is really finding someone who is going to be a good mentor to you and is going to be, you know, responsive to what you're asking for.
2: Yeah, I agree uh, with Darlene, especially on the you, know, you want to be doing something that you're passionate about ultimately it's going to be a lot easier to spend your time doing these things it's going to take a lot of time and and if you like what you're doing then it's not going to be as difficult and you'll uh, wake up and you won't dread going to do to do that thing so um that's important and and uh i'll, I'll say also if you know some of the some of the best ways to to find research is just utilize any resource you have any connection you have if you have a family member who's a a physician or a scientist or you know professor you know reach out and just and and see if uh there's something that you could help with or or just anything you could do to get involved and then if if given a chance then do it do a really good job and be uh be a good communicator and and just uh, ultimately show them that you could uh, be uh, you know that you could contribute to that project. Um, and then you know also if if you don't have anyone if you don't have any connection then then pick a way that you want to uh, find research and just kind of stick with that. don't um, you know don't dabble in. Emailing a few professors here and maybe applying to one or two research uh, opportunities. If you're gonna if you're gonna go for something, just pick one thing and go for it. You know, email uh, dozens of professors if you're gonna do that, or apply to dozens of research internships if you're gonna do that option. Uh, you you want to be very firm in your in your decision, just because uh, it is competitive, but. If you if you really hit one direction uh, with with a lot of force, then I think um, you know you could your your chances of of succeeding are you know and getting an internship or having a professor re- reply and and invite you to come and and help him or her in the lab. Then then uh, then you should yeah you should do that. So that would be a little bit of, of my advice. Uh,
1: Trying to find research. Sorry, I think applying broadly is super important. Like you said, Um, I have a student who was starting to apply to a couple different programs, and you know, at the same time, I was like, "Well, you're going to do that. Like, why don't you just email professors around your area and see if they're willing to help you?" and guess what came back? She is now working at Stanford <laughs> doing research in high school, right? And I was like, that is so cool. So, you know, not only does she save a ton of money because she doesn't have to pay for these, um, you know, different research internships, but but she's a sophomore in high school. So she's going to be working here for about three years. And, you know, it's awesome because she has this huge name behind her name she doesn't have to pay anything and she's going to get that one one one-on-one experience and really get to know the professor and uh, different people in the lab so you know putting yourself out there not being afraid of rejection is probably like the best advice I can give
0: one thing I was thinking about when Darlene was talking a bit about you know, studying skin rashes and stuff like that and weird diseases. But I have one student who's like science fair project actually was all about, I can't exactly remember what it was, but like, I think it was like natural skin products on like acne. And so it was like something that she was like really passionate about. And so like a science fair project kind of spurred on like some other things for her too. Like um, she's written a research paper now and gotten that published too. So that. Could be like a good starting point, especially for our, our high school students, like a science fair project, and then see where that can take you and get your foot in foot in the door at least for being able to showcase like a deep interest in science and then ultimately how how you can grow from there. I mean, prep, one of the exciting things that we have coming up is we have a like revamped program called Rising Researchers, you know dedicated, as you can probably guess by the name, to help students get research experience. Uh, Darlene has really been spearheading this initiative. Uh, so, Darlene, can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what students can expect if they want to join this program,
1: and you know, some of the the benefits too? Yeah, definitely. So, we basically overhauled the entire program, um, and I think it really is for the better. And so, I was given pretty much a lot of creative power. <laughs> to do what I wanted with this. And I really wanted to do something that was different than what you're going to find at a lot of other places. And it took a lot of reflection off of, or reflection on a lot of the things that I used to do, right? And again, I worked at the university, I worked in the hospital, I worked at private institutions. And so I've kind of like been all over the place and I was trying to figure out like, how do we create the best experience for people who don't have a lot of experience but want to get better experiences and then I also pulled from like the counseling background as well right if you're going to do something you know I don't really believe in like doing something without any benefits like I'm very like low effort maximum reward (laughs) and I feel like that's how I pretty much live my life and my career, (laughs) but, um, you know, I didn't want something that is going to be intense for no reason with no good outcomes. Um, If people were going to do rising researchers with us, I wanted it to be beneficial and help them develop skills, not just in that immediate moment, but long-term, right? And again, I've done a lot of hiring and I know what people look for, Right, I've done hiring at the biotechs, I've done hiring in labs, Um, I've done hiring at these private um, research institutions. And so with rising researchers, it was a combination of a lot of these different factors that I've seen worked and didn't work. And so the way we designed this was, we pair you up with a research mentor, Um, most often it's going to be a medical student um, and you basically will learn about the research process. What does research actually entail? And I feel like a lot of these research internships don't actually go over the basics, right? Um, I can't tell you the number of times I started a research project and I was like confused because I had no idea what I was doing. Like the very first time I was given a paper to read and you know this was immunology and I didn't have any experience in immunology and it took me 3 hours to read a 3 a 3 page paper and I never felt so dumb in my life because I was like I should be reading this a lot faster but I don't like every other word like I did not know what it meant and so um the first couple of weeks is really getting you used to what research is about right we wanted to be as inclusive as possible. And I realized like a lot of people in high school aren't trying or I guess they're not really exposed to research. And so they may not know like the different types of studies, um, different things you could do. And, you know, once we talk a little bit about that, I really wanted to focus on what students were interested in. Right. And again, it came from the belief that you shouldn't do something you don't like. So if someone doesn't like neurology, why am I gonna make them research the brain? And so a lot of these research institutions, they're not very flexible because they're only based off of what the research mentor likes to do, right? And so for example, if you know I only study penguins and you don't wanna study penguins, you wanna study the heart, well, this isn't a really good match, but you're gonna pay me a ton of money to do what I wanna do, and you're basically my free labor, right? And with rising researchers, it's completely different. This is all centered based off of what students like to do. And we are kind of like in the background really helping you develop your project, right? It's more um, guiding you through how should you develop your question? How should you research this? um and really learning the steps um one by one like how to perform a good literature review how to read the paper right those are things that maybe if i had the courage to ask it that would have been better but um you know no one really ever taught me how to read a paper it was more trying to figure that out on my own so um we really walk you through each step of developing your own project and that part was really important to me right being able to develop something on your own that you can say was your own. So a lot of these other research institutions, again, you're working off of someone else's project and I'm not saying you're not gonna gain skills. Um, A lot of them, you will gain a lot of good laboratory skills, but you know, how often can you say that you got to do something by yourself, right? And that's kind of what the premise of the Rising Researchers is. And so, in the end, some of the deliverables include a publication. It also includes a poster presentation. And um, there's a really unique opportunity as well. So, if you do really well, and we're looking for like the top of the top, right? People who show up all the time are reliable, put in a lot of effort in their writing. Um, This was something that, again, not not super low effort. <laughs> you have to put in a lot of effort. but I wanted the reward to be really big for someone who was going to try really hard. And, you know, I feel like if someone has interest in pursuing science, we should be able to reward that. And so those students get put into a pool. And you know for people um, who are research mentors, such as me and Grant, who have different projects, students would actually be able to work on these projects with us, and this is not at any additional cost. Um, This is, I guess I would call this like rising researchers adjacent. So once you graduate from the program and you do really well, um, we still remember that you did really well. And, you know, these aren't really guaranteed projects. It's based off of like availability when they come up, but um, you know, students would be able to work with us on these type of projects. And the difference is these projects are more academic based and they are intended to be published in an academic research journal, right? So um, I felt like this was a really good way to continue the network for students who were really interested and wanted to grow and excel um, in some of their skills. So some of the other highlights that we have include a clinical case where you actually get some data and you're able to work with the data as well. Um, That was something that was really important to us because we felt like a lot of the times you don't really get hands-on work with data. and. You know, I know I know some people take like AP statistics or like a statistics class in college. Um, but you know this is an opportunity to understand how that affects what we do in research. And because a lot of our students are pre-med um, either from high school or undergrad, I wanted to incorporate a little bit about medicine because they're working directly with a lot of medical students. And so we have a session on what medical school is like, what the expectations are, because oftentimes, you know, people dream really big and they want to go to medical school, but they have no idea what medical school is like, right? Or what the process is like for us. And so um, getting to understand the field that you're about to enter is very important. And again, it kind of goes back to like networking and, you know, being able to ask good questions and like, We mentioned earlier, you never really get that one on one experience. And, you know, having time set aside from these medical students and sitting there to ask them any questions that you could ever dream of, right? That was something that I wanted to incorporate into our session. And the um, last session is something based off of my interview preps and. A lot of schools, whether you're applying to BSMD programs or to medical schools, they love to ask you about healthcare topics, right? Um, I even have a school that asks about, you know, what does a multi payer system mean? And I was like kind of shocked because that was at a bsmd level but you know this is like notorious for medical school interviews and so you know i realized that this is something that a lot of students don't know about and a lot of places don't talk about this right i work with a lot of students who have done internships like all over the country and so i always get to hear about what they learned and what they did in these internships and very rarely do i actually hear that someone talks about you know what the healthcare system is like what issues do we have and so that was something that i really wanted to incorporate to really good give a good perspective of what people are going to face if they do enter the healthcare field and so we often talk about how Healthcare is really difficult, but I don't think people actually quite understand what that means. And I wanted to make that very apparent in here. So when people apply to medical school, um, or even in the BSMD program, they have a really good understanding and they're able to, I guess, shape their goals a little bit better, especially in their application.
0: What? age range would you say is ideal for rising researchers?
1: So rising researchers used to only be for high school students, but the way I designed it, and again, I wanted something that was gonna be very inclusive, right? So we are now opening it to high school students of any age and um, anyone in undergrad. In undergrad, whether you go to a big university or a small university, I understand that sometimes research is just really difficult to find and like i said right it you could be that one percent applying to be research adjacent and so um you know this is an opportunity that i wanted to be open to everyone and that's something that i actually really pushed for to open it to undergrads as well and I think one of the big questions is probably going to be well, what are the benefits of this? So, other than the publication, other than the presentation and the networking, um, I think one of the biggest things is the skills that you're going to learn. So, earlier I talked about, you know, I wanted something where It's not just going to have an immediate impact, but it's going to have like a lasting impact, right? So when I did a lot of hiring, what kind of skills do I look for? I look for people who know how to design a project. I look for people who know how to write something, right? And these are skills that, again, you're never going to get taught unless you have experience. But guess what? Experience is really hard. So it's like that catch twenty two because you need experience to have (laughs) experience, right? So um i felt like this was a really good stepping stone because not only are you going to design your own project carry out that project but in the end you're going to be able to say you know i was involved in designing the own the project i was involved in the literature review and i actually wrote the manuscript as well and these are all kind of the key buzzwords that people look for that will make you stand apart in any internship that you apply to Thanks.
0: I think maybe my last question is, and I know we've covered a lot of advice so far, but do you have any other advice or anything you want to reiterate about students who are trying to get into
2: research? Yeah, you know um, my my basic advice is, you know, keep it simple in the fact that you want to do something you enjoy. you want to be passionate about it.. Um, But then once you find something you, you want to pursue, you know, give it, give it everything you have and, and kind of go down that, that route and see if it works out. And then if it doesn't work out, pick a new route and then, and do the same thing for that. And then eventually you, you will, you know, come across an opportunity. You will, someone, someone will give you an opportunity and uh, yeah, I think just never, never give up. And if you really want to do some research, then then there's, there's so many different uh, ways that you can get involved and just being familiar with, with all the different ways and, and, uh, you know, kind of exhausting each option is, is really the best way to go. So, yeah, I would just say to, uh, to not give up and do, do it. If you, if you're really passionate about it and, and do something you, you really, uh, you really enjoy.
1: I would say make sure you look for labs that are a good fit for what you're looking for. Um, Obviously, if it's your first internship, beggars can't really be choosers, and I I totally believe in that. (laughs) But once you get more experience and you can be more picky or choosy about what you want, um, make sure it's a good fit for you, not just personality-wise, but what you can actually learn out of that experience.
0: Yeah, one thing that I'll add to that too is for especially our high schoolers to be realistic about getting research experiences, especially if it is like an independent, you know, where you want to be reaching out to professors in your local area and asking for research experience. Um, sometimes people come to us in like September, October, and being like, "Okay, we want to start in you know research experience in the next couple months." But you're in school, like when could you realistically be doing these things? Like you're in school from what nine to or seven to three or whatever it is. The people in the labs maybe are there for like a normal, you know, nine to five type job. When could you get there? When could you be doing these things? Like, you know, if you're available on the weekends, they might not work on the weekends. So kind of think about those types of things. Summer will probably be your best opportunity. That's when everyone else can do it too. So, you know, it is, it is definitely a numbers game and persistence will pay off, hopefully. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this week's edition of White Coat Club. Um, If you like this video or this podcast, please subscribe or like it, um, or let us know in the comments or reviews about what what you like to see, and we'll we'll try and produce more content that you guys like. Um, Until next week.